You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. May the love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Last week, we started talking on the subject of worry because in this current season of uncertainty, uncertainty with the coronavirus, uh, the economy, there just really seems to be an epidemic of worrying happening around the world. And one of the things I alluded to last week, and I want to repeat again this week, is that there's nothing new about this whole concept of worrying. Worrying has been around uh, since the time uh, right after Adam and Eve fell in the garden of Eden. Worry is nothing new. It has affected every generation, will affect every generation uh, to come until Jesus comes back. So again, worrying is nothing new. It's been around for ages, uh, just as really the solution for it as well. As a matter of fact, even people in Jesus's day worried. And so again, it's, it's nothing new. And one of the things that Jesus really understood about worry that we really need to understand about worry, and that is simply this. Worry is a preoccupation with tomorrow. It's a preoccupation with things that are in the future. Worry is, I'm fine now, but what about an hour from now? I'm good now, but what about tomorrow? Worry, again, it, it's, that, it's that preoccupation uh, with things in the future. And we all feel that to varying degrees right now with the current situation in our country and throughout the world, really, with the coronavirus and the many ways that we see how this has impacted and affected our lives. We may be fine right now, but what about later? What about an hour from now? What about tomorrow? You know, Fairway, Hy-Vee, sure they have food on the shelves today, but what about tomorrow? And so we worry. And when we worry, we kind of tend to react in very unrealistic ways. We, we hoard. Okay, right now the media, you get online. I did just before I started to record this, and I just kind of started looking at all the different stories and headlines that I saw on these websites, and the vast majority of them were all about articles about things that might potentially happen in the future. And we read stuff like that, and we just get all worried and all fearful. Because a lot of times what we're really looking for in all of this is we're looking for certainty. Uh, and, and there's never been a point probably in any of our lives, we've never gone through anything like what we're going through right now that really has generated more uncertainty um, in us than anything that we've probably ever gone through in our lifetimes. And again, with that uncertainty, what comes with that a lot of times is just this desire to want to be able to control the future. Um, and we all know um, that that's impossible. There's no way that we can control the future. And it's times, situations like this, that we really come to realize how little control uh, we have over 
uh, future events. And that's really what causes and fuels us to worry. A recent study was done by the University of Michigan, and they discovered that 60% of the things that you and I tend to worry about uh, are things that really are, are unwarranted. Um, you know, we tend to worry about an asteroid, you know, hitting the Earth. Well, that's just probably never going to happen. 20% of the things that we worry about are, are things that have already come to pass. You know, 10% of the things that we worry about, they're just so petty uh, that they really make no difference at all. And so of the 10% remaining of the things that we worry about, they say that really only 4 to 5% of those are real and justifiable. And of those 4 to 5% that are real and justifiable, we can really only do uh, anything about 2 to 3% of those things we worry about. And so the bottom line is 98% of the things that you and I are tend, uh, that we tend to worry about, that we tend to be given to worrying about, um, are, are an absolute waste of time. They're an absolute waste of our lives. Mark Twain one time was credited as saying, I am an old man and have been given to many troubles, but most of them never happened. I saw recently on Facebook, somebody had posted this and it said, fear does not stop death, it stops life. And worrying does not take away tomorrow's problem, it only robs us of today's peace. That's true. There was a fourth grade teacher who was teaching on math and fractions to her class and she asked the class this question, what is three-fourths of five-sixteenths? One student responded by saying, I don't know what the answer to that is, but it doesn't amount to anything to worry about. It's not enough to worry about. And that's true of most worries. Most of the worries you and I carry and have are not enough to worry about. One article I read said that worrying is like prayer in reverse. And that's true when you think about it. One saying I saw a long time ago said this, if you're going to pray, why worry? And if you're going to worry, why pray? And that's true. Prayer and worry are incompatible. They, they fight against each other. They war against each other. They're in conflict with each other. And you and I will either give ourselves to one or the other, but we cannot do both. You're either going to pray or you're either going to worry. We cannot have both. And the beautiful thing about prayer is it really has the power and the potential of making the things you and I worry about smaller and smaller and smaller. But when we don't pray and we worry, the things we worry about only tend to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And again, oftentimes when we kind of worry, we just tend to really get hyper-focused on the things that we're worrying about. And when we do that, again, they just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so Jesus, knowing all of this and kind of really understanding this whole concept and what's behind worrying and what drives us to worry, over 2,000 years ago, he addresses this issue. And he understands it's common to all people in every generation. And the thing that Jesus does that's always so helpful is he doesn't just point out the problem. 
he also gives us the solution. And Jesus' approach, his response, his solution uh, to worry um, is not only helpful, but it's compelling when we truly understand what is it that's behind our worries. What is it that really drives you and I to worrying? So quickly, if you did not catch our podcast last week, let me just kind of give you the Cliff Notes version of what we talked about last week. And again, here's the big picture, the big concept of what Jesus really taught, what he understood when it came to what drives you and I to worry. And he said the things that are most, that we're the most devoted to are the things that will determine what we worry about the most. Again, that's what Jesus kind of understood. It's kind of how he approached this whole thing of worry. If you want to know what drives and fuels the things you and I are worried about, it can be found at the place of what we're the most devoted to. If your greatest devotion in life is money, for example, then the things that you're going to be worried about the most are going to be related to money. If the things you are most devoted to are your job, the thing that's going to drive most of your worries are going to be your job. If the thing you're most devoted to is your health, the thing you're going to be the most concerned about is your health. If the thing you're the most uh, devoted to is your retirement, the thing that you are going to be most worried about are going to be issues related to your retirement. If your greatest devotion in life is to food, then the things that you are going to worry about are going to be related to the issues of food. And again, understanding this connection is really key to kind of understanding uh, Jesus's approach to overcoming the paralyzing effects of worry. And oftentimes one of the biggest pushbacks and resistances to a message like this is, you know, we'll hear Jesus saying things like, don't worry. And many of us interpret that as Jesus saying, don't care. And that's not what Jesus is saying at all. You can care about your job. You can care about your health. You can care about the economy. You can care about your retirement. You can care about food. You can care about your children. Just don't be worried. That's a big difference. So saying don't worry is not the same thing as saying don't care. God expects us. He calls us to do all that we can do in the area of our jobs, of our health, of raising our families, of providing for them, doing all that we can do, and then just trusting God to do uh, what we can't do. And the question that I asked last week, and it's a question I want to ask again this week, and it's where I think Jesus wants to take us, is what if we shifted our devotion? What would that look like? How would we go about shifting our devotion? And that's really what Jesus wants to teach us. It's what he wants to show us. And so I want to kind of just go back and and pick up uh, in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 25. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you uh, to get that in there. It says, therefore, I tell you, Jesus is speaking here. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? 
Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he asks this rhetorical question, Are you not more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now I want to stop here and I want to talk about a few things I didn't have time to get into last week. And it's that phrase, you of little faith. And Jesus is kind of making a really important observation here that would be important for us to see. And Jesus is simply saying there is a relationship between the size of your worry and the size of your faith. Okay? There's a relationship between the size of your worry and the size of your faith. And Jesus is saying, in effect, here, the reason oftentimes our worries are so big is because our faith is so small. The reason our, our worries are so big and so consuming is because our faith in God oftentimes is so small and so lacking. That's the first thing. The second thing that I find interesting are those two words, little faith. And that, those two words, little faith, in the Greek language, it's, it's actually a compound word. And this is a compound word that does not show up in any other Greek literature before or after Jesus. As a matter of fact, it only shows up in the New Testament, this compound word. We only find it in the New Testament, and we find that Jesus is the only one who ever used this compound word, little faith. Uh, and scholars believe uh, because of this, because it's not found in any other Greek literature, it's only found in the New Testament, and Jesus is the only one to ever use this compound word that Jesus probably just made this word up. And again, that's nothing new, and that's not you know unique to just Jesus' time. We do that all the time, even in our English language. For example, we have the word chillax, and, and that is a word that we made up by taking the word chilling and relaxing, and we combine the two words and we come up with chillaxing. Oh, I'm, I'm chilling. I'm just relaxing. I'm chillaxing. That's the same thing. This is what Jesus does here with these two words, little faith. It, he, he kind of creates a new word. And, and Jesus is the only one known to take these two Greek words uh, that normally do not go together, and he brings them together to create uh, this new word. And here's what Jesus was doing when he, when he did this. 
He's just kind of basically uh, introducing this new word, oh, you little faithers. And here's what Jesus is trying to convey uh, to those who are listening to him teach on worry. Because the people Jesus is really speaking to had very similar mindsets and, and understandings similar to those of what you and I have uh, here today. So let me kind of just give you, uh, ask you a few questions. You can answer these uh, internally. I, I kind of want to set this up for what Jesus is really uh, saying to them uh, in his day and to us in our day. And so the questions I want to ask you are this. Do you literally believe that God created everything in the heavens and on the earth? Do you believe that God actually commanded that Noah built an ark and that God literally flooded the earth and that, that God brought Noah and his family and all of those animals safely through on the ark? Do you believe that God parted the Red Sea, enabling the nation of Israel to cross the Red Sea on dry ground and then cause that Red Sea to close up and to drown Pharaoh's army? Do you literally believe that God caused the sun to stand still one time so that the nation of Israel under the leadership of Joshua could actually conquer uh, the Amorites. Do you believe in the virgin birth? Do you believe that Jesus was literally resurrected uh, from the dead? See, I believe all of this literally happened. That and, and much, much more. I believe that the miracles happened in, in the Bible, all of them exactly the way the Bible records them. And so did most, if not all, of the people that Jesus is speaking to here in Matthew 6 as he's teaching on this subject of worry. And Jesus' point is simply this. If you believe all that and more, why would you stop short of believing that God can take care of you and provide for your needs? Oh, you little faithers. There's that word. If you believe God created the heavens and the earth, if God created everything that exists in heaven and on earth, how can you not believe that same God can feed and take care of you, you little faithers? That's what he's saying. If you believe God actually sustained one family and, and brought them through the flood, how can you not believe that same God will sustain you and bring you through everything you're going through right now? Oh, you little faithers. You believe God created everything. You believe in the virgin birth. You believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You believe God did all of that, but you don't think God can feed you, that God can clothe you, Oh, you little faithers. Jesus is essentially saying, you believe the harder stuff. Why don't you just take that next step of faith and believe and trust that God is going to care for you and that God is going to provide for you. And Jesus is inviting them and he is inviting us to take that next step 
He's inviting us to grow bigger faith so we can have smaller worries. And again, when you look at everything God did in the Bible and that God continues doing, all the miracles we see in the Bible, the miracles you and I have seen for ourselves in our own life or in the lives of others, how can we not trust that God is going to continue to care for our needs? And when we'll just begin to look at that, our worries will tend to get smaller and our faith in God will tend to grow bigger. And Matthew 6.31 continues, So why do you worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Now get this, for the pagans, the unbelievers, all run after these same things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. Now here's where Jesus kind of just takes that knife and he, and he twists it a little. Jesus says, you know the pagans, the unbelievers, you're familiar with them, right? You know who they are. They're the ones who don't believe in God. They don't believe in prayer. They don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in heaven. The pagan, the unbelievers, they're the ones, they're running after all these same things. And Jesus is saying to them, to us, when you and I worry about the same things that, that pagans, that unbelievers do, we're no better, we're no different than they, though we should be, because we are children. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God. We're made in His image. We ought to be reflecting Him in our response to these things. We shouldn't be acting like the pagans, like unbelievers. And this is where, again, I think this little verse can become so key and so important to us right now and where we are as a culture and as a nation. Because, again, every one of us, to some extent, run with, we kind of, of connect ourselves to people who have some of the same concerns and worries we have. So, for example, if you were to, were to take a group of people, you were just kind of going to begin to divide them out depending on the things that worried or the things that were concerning to them. So you could take people who kind of have worries about the economy and say, okay, those of you in this group that are worried about the economy, I'm going to put you in this corner. Those of you that are, that are concerned about your health, I'm going to put you in this corner. Those of you that are concerned about your children, um, I'm going to put you in this corner. Those of you that are concerned about your retirement, I'm going to put you in this corner. And, and so we're kind of in with people who share similar worries and concerns that we have. And so as we're with those people, as we're rubbing shoulders, as we're talking, as we're sharing um, stories, uh, again, um, as we're huddled up with people who share the same concerns and worries uh, that we have, Jesus is saying, uh, look, as you kind of bump into, as you talk to, as, as you intermingle, as you fellowship with, with people who have similar concerns or, or worries or anxieties that you may be prone to. Jesus is saying, you, you know, because you are a believer, your response should look totally different than those who are not believers. In other words, people who are not believers, 
should be able to look at you, to look at your response, to hear your words, and they should be amazed by your response. They should be able to look at you and say, I see you're not worried. I see you're concerned. I see you care about the things that I'm worried about, but you're not driven by worry. You're not driven by fear. I find that amazing. I, I find that interesting. Why is that? What is it that's different about you? And Jesus is saying to us church, Christians, believers, this is our time to shine. Our response to all of this should and must be different than that of pagans and unbelievers. Because if it's not, how are we any different? How are we any better? And I think as a church, as a culture, as Christians, this is an opportunity for us to shine brightly. This is an opportunity for us to to reflect our Heavenly Father. This is a time for us to be injecting peace and confidence in a time where there is a lot to worry and to be fearful about. So Jesus is saying, man, don't worry. Do not run after. Don't chase after these things. Don't worry about these things. Don't be driven by fear about these things like unbelievers, like pagans are. And he says, our response to all of this should be different because of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And then Jesus really kind of comes uh, to what I think is really the solution uh, to the issue of worrying. And, and Jesus really kind of gets to the question um, that I asked at the beginning. What would it look like to shift your devotion? I mean, how would you do that? What does that look like? How would we go about doing that? And, and thankfully, Jesus gives us the solution to worrying in verse 33. And he says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you as well. Right there is the solution. It is the key to worrying. It's how we shift our devotions. It's how we refocus. It's how we align. It's how we go from worrying about these things to just having peace and confidence that our Heavenly Father knows we need them and we trust that He's going to provide them. Because as long as my kingdom, my worries, my priorities, my agenda are first and foremost, I'm going to worry, you're going to worry. As long as your kingdom is your first priority, you're going to worry. And Jesus says the antidote, the solution to worrying less is to focus more on his kingdom and his righteousness. And Jesus, at this point, is inviting us into a whole different way of living, of thinking, of reacting, of responding. And the invitation that Jesus invites you and I to is just to simply surrender our lives to shift our focus from our kingdom to his kingdom, from our priorities to his priorities, from you know the things 
um, that we're devoted to, to the things he is devoted to. And here's what it means to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And really, it's not all that complicated. Jesus summed it up this way in the prayer that he taught us. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To seek first the kingdom of God involves ushering in God's kingdom ahead of our kingdom. It's doing his will. It's doing what he wants done as it's being done in heaven to do that, to replicate that upon the earth. It's doing God's will here just as his will is being done there. To, do, to, to seeking God's kingdom, it, it means putting his agenda ahead of our agenda. It's doing his will ahead of our will. And again, when, when we're seeking God, when we're seeking his kingdom, we're going to learn about him. We're going to learn about the things that are important in his kingdom. And we're going, to, we're going to take the things that we're learning, the things that are important to him, and we're going to begin to replicate. We're going to begin to live out. We're going to begin to do those things upon uh, this earth. And that is bringing his kingdom upon the earth. It's seeking his righteousness. And when we make that our focus, our priority, our agenda, Jesus says the, the, the payback, to that is all of these things are going to be added unto you. What things? The things we tend to worry about. The things we're going to wear, the things we're going to eat, the things we're going to drink, where we're going to live, how we're going to pay for all of All of these things that we tend and we're prone to worry about. Jesus said, when you'll seek first my kingdom, seek first my righteousness. When, when, you, will, when you will strive to bring the, the things of, of my kingdom to this kingdom, when, when you will do my will, my purpose, my agenda upon the earth, all of these other things I'm going to take care of. I'm going to close with a story. I heard about a cowboy. He went into a store and he asked the clerk, how much for your spurs? And the clerk said, they're $10 a pair. And the cowboy handed her a $5 bill and said, I'll just take one spur. And the clerk said, well, what are you going to do with just one spur? And the cowboy said, well, I reckon if I get one side of the horse going, the other side will keep up. And, and here's the analogy. If we learn to trust God for the things for today, he will take care of tomorrow. And I know for some of you, the prospect of, of doing that is downright scary. I know for others of you, especially right now, uh, in the midst of what we're going through, it, it can be threatening. But don't forget, again, the surprise ending. All of these things will be given to you and I as well. Because again, Jesus would remind you and I, we are more valuable to him than the birds. We are more important to God. We're more valuable to him than any and all of the flowers combined. Jesus said, your heavenly father, he is already aware of the things you and I need. As a matter of fact, God is aware of things we're going to need. We don't even, we're not even aware of what we, that we need them. And so again, when we diligently seek first God's kingdom, when we make that our priority, when we seek his righteousness and make that our first and foremost concern, our worries will shift 
to worship. Our cares uh, will shift to prayers. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Let's pray. Father, we just again thank you for your words, your solution to worry. And again, Father, I love, Lord, that you tell us to not worry, but you don't leave it there. You begin to give us the solutions. Lord, I just pray for those of us who have maybe gotten lost or caught up in a bunch of worries this week, that God, you'll enable, you'll help shift our hearts, our thoughts, our focus, our agendas to just really seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness. And Father, forgive us if we've not been doing that, Lord, and, and help us, enable us to make that shift today. That, Lord, we would, we would turn away from the news of the day and that we would turn to your word. That we would stop listening to the voices of culture and just begin to tune in to the voice of your Holy Spirit. And that, God, when we will begin to make that shift, that God will begin to benefit, will begin to experience your many blessings, your promises, Father. And we just thank you, Lord, that you love us. Lord, that your desire is to lead us uh, into, into all truth. And the truth is, Lord, there's nothing that we have to worry about. That, Lord, you've got it all under control and that, Lord, you're going to provide above and beyond all that we could think, imagine, need, or ask for. And, Father, we ask, Lord, that you would just center, anchor our hearts upon those promises we find in your word. And we, again, just thank you, Lord, uh, again, for your devotion to us. We thank you for your love. Uh, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we just ask, Father, that you would continue to lead us and to guide us both now and into the future. All of this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Yahweh turn his face towards you and give you peace. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.